Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 8 of the Juicebox Podcast. This is Episode 605. Welcome again to Season 8 of the Juicebox Podcast. The Juicebox Podcast began in January of 2015, and here we are in January of 2022. Happy New Year to everyone, and thank you for listening to the show. On today's episode, we start the year off with Martha Andrews. Martha is the mother of four grown children, one of whom was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when they were nine years old. He's all grown up now, and he's got a pretty cool job. You're going to enjoy this episode. It's going to go in a bunch of different directions. So whether or not you're a sports fan, the parent of a child with type 1, or an adult living with type 1, this one's going to have something for each and every one of you. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Please head over to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to learn more and get started today. The podcast is also sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash. You can find out more and again get started at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes to these and all of the sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast. You can even find those links at juiceboxpodcast.com. I'm Martha Andrews, parent of a type 1 diabetic and uh, live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hi, Martha. Thank you for doing this. Sure. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Where do we start? Do you, How many children do you have? I have four. Four. Are they reasonably spaced together? They're each about two years or less between, but two grades between each of them. That seems reasonable to me. Enough time to catch your breath, right? Yes. But not so it didn't much. seem reasonable at the time, but yes, now that I've gotten past all of the hard <laughs> stuff, it seems reasonable. Did it feel like you were just doing the same thing over and over again as they were growing up? And, and getting worse and worse at it. <laughs> you were getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, were you getting worse at it or did you just care a little less as it went on? Well, it's just, you know, it's just each one had their own individual issues that you have to deal with and, and getting them all through them at the same time and dealing with it. Uh, it just became a lot of work. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, but you know, every time I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can keep doing it like this. No kidding. Well, um, of the four children, you have one with type one. Do any of the other kids have other autoimmune issues or type one? None. No, Nope. just Mark. Just Mark. Okay. Where does he fall in the, the line of the four kids? He's my youngest. He's the baby. How old's the oldest? He just turned 32. Okay. And Mark's 26. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Are all of the kids athletic? Every one of them. They, uh, they, they all are very, very competitive, whether it's 
getting to bed first, brushing their teeth first, finishing their plate first, scoring the first goal. It was always a competition. <laughs> Walking through a door frame, just just absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you spend most of your life going to children's sporting events? All of my life. Yeah. Once I started having kids, uh, it was every night, every weekend, traveling. Um, it was pretty intense, actually. Yeah. No, I found it to be um, more than I expected. I, I sometimes. I mean, my son just plays college baseball and just I, yeah, well, I, that's impressive. Well, it is, but I find myself telling people, listen, unless your kids are just like, love, love, love it, just do it for fun inside of the season. There's no reason to travel or, you know, go to another state to play. Um, you just try to enjoy it because there were times where it felt like a job for me. I don't, I don't think for him ever, but. And I think people would say, you know, they're going to get a scholarship and you're like, the money we've spent on their sports, we could pay for full college tuition. I think I maybe broke even. And my, <laughs> and my son gets a fair amount of money. And, I, <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm saving you all this money. I was like, are you forgetting all the sandwiches we bought at delis and the gasoline and the <laughs> hotels? And So you could learn to be slightly better at this than the next person, you know? <laughs> well, it's a lot of fun to watch them do what they love. Yeah, I have to say that uh, Cole's a senior this year, so the spring coming up is, um, you know, his last of his undergrad year. Because of COVID, he's going to have some NCAA um, ability to keep playing, you know, uh, because right. they gave him back some of their eligibility. So I'm kind of hoping he'll he'll maybe go to grad school or something and play a little more, or or I don't even know what. I just I, I just does know. he have plans to maybe go professional? He well, it's his whole. I'm going to tell you that I don't know I could have got him into college if he wasn't playing baseball. And he's a very good student taking a fairly difficult – my son's getting a quantitative econ degree. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I still tell you I'm not sure he would have went to college if he couldn't have played baseball. So it is what he thinks about. You know, That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I know he's going to try until he fails or his body blows up. I, I, right. I've come to the conclusion that there's no amount of – anything that's going to get him to stop. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but he's not. It's what it takes. You have to be driven for sure. He's got that part. That's for sure. He, he didn't grow quite like your son did though. Uh, did, <laughs> did the boy come out that size or what yeah. happened there? <laughs> he was a nice size when he was born, but from shortly after he was standing, it was obvious that he was um, pretty much taller than everybody else. Bigger than your husband. Yes. Okay. And you're not a particularly tall person. I'm 5'10". I'm the shortest. My daughter's six foot. Um, I have a son that's 6'2", one that's 6'4", and then Mark that's 6'6". Well, you are tall then. I mean, I don't, you know, 5'10". Relatively speaking, I am, yes. Not your I was tall till I got in this family. (laughs) I always always kind of, I don't laugh, Martha, but sometimes you see the parents and they have a tiny little kid. (laughs) And, the, you know, and the husband's five, six and the wife's five, two. And they're like, he's going to play in college. And I'm like, no, no, no he's not. Uh, <laughs> not unless something crazy is about to happen. Um, but yeah, so when did he start growing? Like, when did you think, wow, this is, I guess, we, he had, I guess if you had older children, you already knew your kids were kind of bigger to begin with. They all were tall. And um, so he, in our family, he, you know, he stayed, he was, he was shorter than his sister. Um, and then. 
I think probably around end of elementary or middle school, he got taller than she was. Yeah. Um, and, and then he just kept going and he was really skinny. No kidding. In high school. Uh, yeah. Did he fill out in high school? Cause he went to a legitimate football college too. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was pretty thin. I mean, he, at six, six, he was probably 200 pounds oh. maybe. Um, when he went off to college. No, no kidding. Well, mm-hmm. it, and then that's big for a high schooler and small. Yeah, for in high time. school, he was definitely um, tall. And I think he worked out so much that meaning um, running and doing things like that. It was hard for him to keep weight on. Okay. My son talks about that all the time. He said they drag us into a gym to put on weight and then they take us outside and run it right off <laughs> again. <laughs> Just about it. He's like, it's like the one hand's not talking to the other one. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, listen, did he play football like peewee? Was it that early on? No, 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 no. Uh, he was, he loved soccer, baseball, um, basketball. He didn't start football until ninth grade. No kidding. So as he was kind of going into high school. Yes. All right. Um, while you were watching him, like, when does it first occur to you? Like, when do you and your husband, like you're married, right? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When do your husband lean into each other and go, oh, he's going to do this in college. Uh, not until like the coaches started calling. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd always been hearing, I mean, all of our children were talented. They were all great athletes. They could have, um, gone and played a sport in college if they'd wanted to. Um, and you know, you have to love what you do to be able to get to that point. And you just hear about that funnel Mm -hmm. and, um, so we just really pushed school and that it, it probably wasn't going to be a reality of getting to play um, sports in college. Like we didn't even like to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't something that you've just looked at him and thought, this is fate to complete. This has to happen. He just looks like a perfect. Cause like, for instance, no. when my son started high school, he came home one day and he goes, yo, there's a kid on our football team. And this high school was not some like, you know what I mean? It's a Northeast school. It's not a powerhouse for football or anything like that. And he goes, there's a kid on our high school team. He's like, he's going to easily play in college. And and I was like, really? He goes, he's an offensive lineman. Like, you should see him. And before I could even get a chance to see him, some private school scooped him up and took him right away. And oh, really? now I believe he starts for Penn State. So, you know, you could just like, my, my son could see it. Like, everybody could see it. But Mark wasn't that person right away. Well, I mean, when he started playing football, um, I mean, he, he could have played basketball in college. Yeah, um, He imagine. quit soccer just because... He was so much bigger than everybody else. He got picked on a lot. He couldn't um, he couldn't pick back because he was the biggest person on the field. It oh. was a really frustrating experience for him. Um, so you, and are you saying that they get chippy with him, but he couldn't chip back? He couldn't get chippy with them, <laughs> okay, right. All right, all right? And he's like, I'm done. You know, even from when he was little, they'd say, um, he drove here. <laughs> You know, he's like, he's 12. He did not drive here. That kid's, um, that kid, that, that guy's kids are watching the game from the stands. Yeah. <laughs> I, trust me, we've all made that joke if we've been involved in youth sports. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so that was frustrating to him, but he had started to compete at basketball at a really high level. And um, when he started playing football at the same time, he had a coach that he worked with a lot. Uh, he was a volunteer football coach. He played for Nebraska. And he said, Mark, how many people are on a football team and how many people are on a basketball team? 
And then he said, and how many people on a basketball team are six, six or, or taller? Yeah. <laughs> how many on a, on a football team? How many, how many receivers do you see that are six, six? And um, he kind of just got him thinking, you know, if, if you want to play sports in college, let's start thinking of where you have the best opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was a mind shift. He loved basketball. He loved playing it for the, his high school. He loved his coach. Um, but he, he just stopped the club version of that and focused on football from that point on. And his very first game was the very first time someone came up to us and said, um, I mean, he just, we were in shock. Our mouth was open. We had no idea he could do what he did. And, and the other coach from the other side said, we're going to see him on Sunday. I think people might imagine it's just the size, but there's a fluidity and an, and an athleticism and, you know, speed like it where it becomes really uncommon is to be all of those things at that size and have the drive to do it and everything else that comes with it. It's right. a, it's a, it's an uncommon mix. Are your other children magically good at other things? Are you a witch? Like, what is it we all don't know <laughs> about? You know, do you sometimes look up and think it's crazy? Or, or is it normal to you now? Like, I mean, you and I to have Mark or to have all of all of my kids are incredibly successful. Yeah. Um, and I've been very fortunate. I kind of, it's almost, um, not embarrassing, but you know, people ask, what do your children do? And I'm like, Oh, you know, I kind of play it off, but I really want to say, I mean, my kids are amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, the, <laughs> it's, it's really bad to say it like that, but they oh. are, they've made something of each one has just become the best at what they do. And I, it, it is really heartwarming as a parent to know that um, they're doing what they love and they're so good at it. Is it hard to want to talk about the other three? Because, you know, eventually you're going to have to say, and Mark's a tight end. I know. Is that, is <laughs> it that, is. Yeah. I say, but, you know, his brother's a doctor, his sister's a dentist, his other brother is a really successful business in real estate. You know, I want to, I want to tell them that. But um, they don't really care. No one, yeah. Well, I, that's what I started wondering. Like, if that's what you meant, that just it doesn't matter. Like, you could be like, this one's a, a physicist and an astronaut on the weekends, and they'd be like, could you just tell me about the guy that catches the football, please? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, they're they're really proud of him too. Oh, I would imagine that's really cool. Do you get to see him play much in person anymore? On um, you know, since COVID, we kind of definitely pulled back. And then watching it on TV is so much nicer than being in. Well, first of all, I I vowed never to go to an opposing um, team's, you know, watch him as a visitor. I don't like that. Uh, It's it's uncomfortable. Um, It's you know not the friendliest place to be. I do like going and watching it in Baltimore and being able to see him. And we didn't go this year. I mean, we're still a little COVID leery. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to put him at risk from traveling or anything else like that. So, um, we're, I think his brother's been, and I think both brothers have been this year. Are you saying that it's hard to cheer for him in front of people who are cursing at him? Yeah. Is it hard? (laughs) Is it just hard for you to hear it? No, not necessarily. Well, maybe a little bit, but as my husband will always tell me, don't tell them who your son is. Right. And I'm like, I have to, because I don't want them to be mean about him around me. <laughs> so I kind of just gently tell the people around me, okay, be nice to number 89. Yeah. Uh, I'm his mom. 
I'll be quiet. <laughs> I promise not to cheer if you promise not to curse and use his name at the same time. Exactly. How's that sound? Yeah. And then for not, you know, when he does something great to not really be able to cheer and scream and the way you want, you know, you got to be a little subtle about it. I don't like that at all. So you scream and yell at home though while you're watching? Oh gosh, yes. Okay. So um, I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you one more football thing and then I want to ask you a bunch of diabetes stuff. So okay. you and I spoke a few days ago to get to know each other and get this all set up. And then, like, the next day, I think, or maybe two days later, I found myself standing in front of a – where was I? We were in a bar having dinner. Uh, every time I say that, I want to remind people. It's I know. I just wa- listened to a podcast. You were at another bar okay. having dinner. And my, I'm with my family, and we're sitting around, <laughs> and, the, and the Ravens game is on. And I'm watching it go back and forth. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, that lady I talked to uh, on the phone, I said, that's her son right there. And I said, this situation is getting down to where I think they're going to go to him to try to win the game. So let's pay attention for a second. And then it happens, and it doesn't go the way you expect or hope, I guess. And I found myself sitting there only knowing you for about a 15-minute phone call. I felt terrible for you. Not even for him, by the way. Like, like for you. I was like, how must she feel right now? And I just, I've been, I just want to know, like, if he catches that ball and they win the game, he doesn't catch the ball and they don't win the game, whatever. How does it feel for you? Like, is it fleeting? Does it stick with you all day? Are you happy all week after that? Sad all week? Like, how much impact does it have on your life? Well, I mean, the most important thing, I'm sad for Mark because I know he's going to take it hard, Mm -hmm. right? That, uh, you know, if he makes that play, he's like a hero and everything's fabulous. And I'm always looking – I don't really care if we win or lose. I want him to be healthy and I want him to play well and I want it to be over. Yeah. Right. That's the most important thing for me as a mom. I'm sad for him. I love him. It's not a big deal. It is a football game. It's not, um, doesn't make or break how good he is, how, you know, right. His success or not. Uh, I just, I'm sad. I know he's not going to talk to me the next day. He's going to avoid discussing it. Um, but you know, so there's just a game. Yeah. But there's no, like, here's an example. My son's out recruiting for colleges one day and I'm standing, talking to a coach who kind of came to find me and was chatting about Cole and Cole's out in the outfield. And as he came back, he's running back along the fence line, runs past us. And I said, Oh, Hey Cole, this is so-and-so from blah, blah, blah college. He was just telling me how bad you are. And and we just laughed and my son said hello. And then he kept running by. We have a very loose, like, relationship like that because the man was not standing there telling telling me that Cole sucked, you know and, so he, kn- he knows his dad is always joking yes yes he's aware of that like I I just was like try I put myself in your position I was like I wonder if I would have been like just stay quiet or so it was interesting to hear your your response to that and um I also think it's interesting because I talked to a number of Steelers fans after the game and every one of them, just because I, I kind of steadfastly was like, oh, you know, the rusher kind of threw off the quarterback. And he's like, I don't think it was that, you know, he's like, it could have been caught maybe. But like, it was funny how like they wanted, they were on his side, even like a Steelers oh, fan. Nice. It was very interesting. And then that made me think, there's a guy in a grocery store all over this country having a conversation about your kid. <laughs> yeah. You ever think of it that way? How weird that is? It is weird. And, okay. and it's, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, my husband says, I like to tell everybody that Mark's my son and you know, he plays and that's not true, but um, 
it is amazing. Like I'll, I'll go out with other people and I'm sitting at, I don't know, that place where they cut up your, your food, Benihana's mm-hmm. and the chef was there cutting and, and um, the people I was sitting with said, you know, this is Mark Andrews. And he goes, the Mark Andrews, you know, like this is some random guy. He goes, Oh my gosh. And then went on and on and on and on and how he's followed his career, blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, if you take that kind of stuff, if you listen to it and makes you happy, then you got to take the other stuff. Like he should have caught that ball. He, um, you know, so you have to be careful if you, if you want to revel in all the goodness, you got to be able to take the, the, the not so good as well. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I, I, there is nothing worse. My son is an exceptional outfielder. And, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred, he's going to catch the ball. It doesn't matter where it is. You, you've, you know, there are moments when like the right fielder catches the ball and my son's standing behind him waiting for the ball to hit the ground. Like you can catch it. It's your position. You know, you might as well. And then the one time something happens and he stumbles or trips or the sun gets in his eyes and everyone looks at you like you as the parent, like what happened? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I ain't out there, man. I was like, you know, but I said, if you ask me, it looks hard to do. And, and, but it's amazing that they forget the other 99 times. Oh yeah. You you just can't go on the internet at all. Your kid lost, your kid lost this game. I'm like, what about the other ones where you, uh, all right, never mind. But see, and that's, that's not your, your T1D. So like if Mark drops a catch, I'm thinking, should he go test? You know, (laughs) is something, is something going on? Um, if he drops two, I'm, I'm almost on the phone to the trainer. He needs to test. <laughs> I don't like the way he looks. Yeah. Uh-huh, <laughs> so, uh-huh. so he's nine years old when he's diagnosed. Is that right? Today, I'm going to start off by telling you about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. You can know what your blood sugar is without finger sticks with the Dexcom. That's right, without finger sticks or calibrations, the Dexcom G6 lets you see your glucose numbers with a quick glance at your smart device or receiver. You can get alerted when your glucose levels are heading high or low and share your data with up to 10 followers. The Dexcom G6 is covered by most insurance plans and you can learn more about it right now at Dexcom.com forward slash With Dexcom, you can set customizable alerts and alarms to let you know when you're leaving the range that you want. My daughter is set at 70 and 120, but you could choose any numbers that you want, 80 and 130, 90 and 150. It doesn't matter. It's completely up to you. And then when your blood sugar is heading in that direction, getting ready to leave that range, it'll tell you. And you can make a decision about insulin or carbohydrates that will benefit your health, well-being, and keep your day steady and balanced and in range. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. My daughter's been wearing a Dexcom for many, many years. So check out the CGM that she prefers and the one that Mark Andrews uses at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Now, if you'd like to check out the insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing since she is, ooh, since she was how old? Four? I think so. Four years old. That's a long time ago. She's like 17. Uh, If you want to check out the insulin pump that my daughter has been using for a very long time, you're going to want to check out the Omnipod at omnipod.com 
forward slash juicebox. There you can read all about Omnipod, the Omnipod Dash, and find out if tubeless insulin pumping is right for you or your loved one. It is for my daughter, and it may well be for you as well. Now, if you find yourself thinking, oh, Scott, I do want an Omnipod, but I'm waiting for the next big thing from Omnipod, so I'm not going to get started right now. Well, the good news is there's no need to do that because of the Omnipod promise. And the Omnipod promise is simple. There's no need to wait for the next big thing with the Omnipod promise. You can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technologies for no additional cost as soon as they're available to you and covered by your insurance. Terms and conditions apply, but you'll find out more at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. So stop dragging your feet and get started today. Use the insulin pump that my daughter's been using since she was four years old, the one that is tubeless, that allows you to swim and bathe, that doesn't make you take it off for activities like sports and, you know, fun adult activities as well. You can just keep getting your insulin the way you're meant to with the Omnipod. If you need links to Omnipod, Dexcom, or any of the sponsors, they're right there in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. But you can always just type them into a browser. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. All right, let's get back to Martha. Some of my favorite parts of this interview have not even happened yet. Yes. Okay, so that's, he was like, this is like 17 years ago. Does that sound right? 2004-ish? Yeah. Okay. But you're pretty impressed with how I did that real quick. <laughs> I was just thinking about, that was good. <laughs> there must you did been, it ahead of time. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. So there must have been a lot of numbers that just worked with the way my brain works because that all went way too smoothly. Um, so he's nine years old. How does it present? Okay. And I'm just full disclosure. I may not, but I may. I always cry when I tell the story oh. and I'm going to start again. Well, if, I, if you cry, I'm going to cry, Martha, just so you know. <laughs> I think it's the hardest thing in the world. I can't believe I do this every friggin' time. It it brings it back. Yeah. Well, take your time, or you don't have to tell me. Either. I'll be you fine. Okay. I do. I don't. I've done it on national TV. I need to learn how to not cry every single time I talk about it. But okay. So it presented itself. Um, he was doing um, baseball and soccer at the same time, and he was. Uh, playing a baseball game and his grandparents had taken him, you know, he's a fourth child. Every, every one of us is at a different sporting event with one of the children. And she said, my, my mother-in-law said he had to go to the bathroom a couple times. I said, Oh, okay, fine. Thanks. And then she goes, and then, then we took him to a soccer game right afterwards. And he left and ran to go to the bathroom at halftime. He has never done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother-in-law says, I think he has diabetes. And we looked at her like she had grown horns and was so crazy. How did she like, get that from That was being? the stupidest thing anybody could ever say. Yeah, yeah. What did, does she know something that the, that, did she have any, like, where, why would that pop into her head? I don't know. Oh, I mean, okay. we were shocked. And, and we said, absolutely not. You know, he's, he's, um, he had big circles under his eyes and he, um, I don't, I think he may have even maybe wet the bed. I don't know, but um, it still just wasn't coming together. We're getting ready to go on a ski trip for spring break. And um, he came home from school on Monday and and he, he didn't feel good and uh, he didn't look good. So the next morning, my, my husband said, we better just get him checked, make sure nothing's wrong before we head out of town. 
And uh, so we went and did some blood work and took him back to school. And my husband calls me. (laughs) Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you'd get upset or I might not have asked. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I'm not. I mean, I talk about it all the time. Okay. And he said, uh, Mark has diabetes. You need to go get him. Which I did. I didn't know even. I had no idea what it meant. I am one of those people that kind of goes through the world. And if it's bad stuff, I don't really look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone needs to tell me something, they'll tell me. And uh, I kind of go through with rose colored glasses. Yeah. Pretty optimistic about everything. So we go to the doctor's office. I still don't. Still don't know exactly what it means. Your husband just tells you that it's important. He's something's wrong, and you hear a word you think of as not being like a healthy word. Yeah, yeah and you're on your way. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, obviously, he knows exactly what it is. But so the doctor was also a neighbor of ours, and and she she tells us, and um, Mark is pretty stoic. We don't have to go to the hospital. We go over to an endocrinologist, and um. They start educating us immediately. Mm. And uh, I think he was more upset that we didn't go skiing because of it. <laughs> you know, that that um, he just, you know, what do I have to do? Just give me the tools I need and uh, let's get, get over this, yeah. you know? Well, you know, it's funny. My biggest concern would have been that my wife's mother was right about something. And then I would... <laughs> Like I would have never heard the end of that. Uh, I, that's what we were pretty shocked, actually. <laughs> I just figured when your husband's like, "We better take him to the to the doctor." He's like, "My mom's been bugging me about this," and she said something. But I'm fascinated that that your that your mother in law just like from peeing a couple of times was like, "That's diabetes." Like, wow, Jesus. Yeah, she was a smart lady. She yeah. read a lot, and um, the fact that she she called it that was pretty impressive. And mm-hmm. we really, I mean, my husband's a urologist. No kidding. He knows about peeing. He knows what it means, you know? <laughs> um, but you don't go there. I was watch- listening to one of your podcasts and, and um, the woman said, you know, don't look for a zebra. If it's a horse, it's a horse. You don't have to look for the zebra or whatever she said. And that's so true. Yeah. You know, except if you have diabetes and you don't know it when, when <laughs> now it's a zebra all of a sudden, because <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, because crap. you know, like, cause you know, a kid pees a couple of times for most people, that just means they drank a lot or maybe ate like a uh, fewer carbs and you know, maybe a little more high protein that day. Or, and, uh, but yeah, that's really something. So he just, he, he's not in DKA, which is great. Right. Yeah. Nope. I think the, the amount of exercise, the sports that he, he did, and, and he was always, you know, the strongest player typically on the team. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he worked, he played the whole game of whatever he was doing and then going on to the next one and running up and down the field. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with yeah, it. Yeah. Kind of kept his blood sugar down. So yeah. 17 years ago is, hmm, he, did he get fast acting insulin? Was he using basil and he did um, the, the hum or he had Humalog and the um, the long acting like Lantus or something like Lantus. That? Okay, yeah. And you got a meter, I imagine, but was not it- not for um, yeah. We got a meter for sure, right? Yes, but not we had meters everywhere in the house, everywhere. I have probably maybe fifty meters 
all over the house. You can probably throw some of them away now, Martha, if you want to. <laughs> I know. I need to. I keep opening the door. There's another meter. <laughs> was he just injecting? He was. That's, okay. um, his endocrinologist um, did not want him to look at um, a pump or a CG, oh, maybe a CGM. We didn't discuss it, but a pump until um, he was, he had mastered, first of all, that until he had shown a sign that he needed it. Um, and that he understood if, if he was controlling it with shots that he was going to stay that way. We, even though we kept asking. Okay. I'm trying to think of when Dexcom, well, they were founded in 99. Did they have a product right away then? I wonder when the first CGM was available. Mark was pretty, he got it in high school. He didn't like it. Okay. Um, when he first got it, the CGM and he stopped wearing it for a while. Does he wear one now? Oh, yes. Yeah. The first couple iterations were, like, they were groundbreaking, but they're not nearly the way they are now. That's No, sure. and the, the needle itself, the, I mean, the, the insertion portion of the process was awful. Which one was he using in the beginning? Was it the Medtronic one? Medtronic. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. They call that one the harpoon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looked like. <laughs> I'm sure at Medtronic, they don't call it that, but outside no. of there, they do. But the pump, I mean, that was an amazing, that was an amazing game changer for us. Yeah. Tell me why. What did it change for him? Well, it just, um, he didn't have to carry every, I mean, he always had his D bag as we called it. You know, it was one of those Nike shoe bags that you could wear as a backpack. And um, he always had his stuff in there, but, but he didn't have to pull out, go through all the process of um, dosing for himself. If he could just do it. Um, by pressing a couple of buttons, it gave him a lot of freedom yeah. uh, wherever he was, the people he was with. Uh, and I think it helped control taking the insulin. You know, I think a, a teenage kid sometimes, um, you know, they say they took it and they didn't, mm-hmm. or they miss a dose because they said they're going to do it and then they forget. Yeah. Just easier to have a pump on. He, well, he wears, I don't know what pump he wears now, I guess. T-Slim. The T-Slim. Is he doing control IQ or is he? Um, I think, yeah, he is. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's great technology. Yeah. His problem is he does take his pump off for hours at a time when he's at practice. Okay. So um, he switches up. He doesn't get his, um, he doesn't do his, he has to take long acting in addition Oh, okay. Um, so because it, to his pump, yeah, his his life is pretty specific. So he doesn't. I guess that, it's not that he doesn't want to wear it. I guess he can't. He can't carry that. He out can't carry that around. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine yeah. by the rules of the game, he's not allowed to, if nothing else. Yeah, but, I, I don't. I don't think we've ever tested that. There's just no way he's going to go around with a. Yeah. You know that on him. Well, well, you know it's funny because if you've never met like a professional football player in real life. You don't have because they're all so big on television. It's deceiving, like <laughs> like how large they are and how they're gigantic. Yeah, and how fast they're running into each other. And <laughs> yeah, you might as well just take that T slum out and like throw it on the ground and hit it with a hammer before trying to yeah. take it into a football game. But um, yeah, they just they're launching themselves at each other in at amazing speeds. And I, it's just you just have to meet one guy and stand next to him for five seconds before you think like, I'm not even a human being compared to this guy. Like I'm not a man compared to this. I've, I've had those moments around baseball players where I stand there and I'm like, I feel like a little kid 
you know, and these imagine are- taking him up to college for the first time at a pretty big, big time college and seeing the people that were going to try and kill him. Obviously, it's like as a mother, I'm like, uh, we're turning around and going home. Well, yeah, because finally they're all as big as him. Right. Oh, well, and they were so I mean, they had huge beards. I mean, these were men. These were not like 18 year old Mark. Yeah. Um. Did he play? They had biceps as big as his thighs. <laughs> did he redshirt or did he play right away? He redshirted. Yeah, they're trying to probably get weight on him at first. Did he play? Did he play four years or did he get drafted before he could? He finish? played. He he had redshirted one year and was played for three years. Okay, so he was there for four years. Gotcha. What is his degree in? Um, business. Well, hopefully he'll be able to use that when he's done playing a long time. Uh-huh, that, that's the plan. Yeah. Excellent. That's gr- really something like, I mean, in Oklahoma, did you get to see him play there much? We went a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We I tried think- to go as often as we could. Um, you know, they don't let you see him except for after the game, like in, in professional, you can go out to dinner with them the night before the game or, mm-hmm. um, the only time we could see Mark was after the game. Um, you know, if, if we had a little time, we could go to dinner or at least sit with him at his house or do whatever. But um, we didn't see him as often. A lot of people might not know about that. You go to your kids' college games and you don't like the last thing in the world you want is a coach to see you talking to or making eye contact with your child. Like you just <laughs> you just keep it all very just I don't know why you feel I that's the that's when I feel like a little kid the most. Like yeah. I show up, at, you know what I mean, right? You show up at those games. Don't let the coach see you. Yeah, I don't want to break a rule, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, it's ridiculous. We should just all walk up to the fence or whatever and be like, hey, how are you? Like a human being and then walk away. But instead, everybody's just got their head down. And You have to yeah. remember that they have their their game, you know, rituals. Yeah. And you can't mess with that either. Yeah. No, I know. No, trust me. I'm, I'm aware. I just... <laughs> It just feels silly while you're doing it and you're an adult and you're paying for the school. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, at what point did you not look at him and think he's smaller? Did he get to that point in college? Um, yeah, I mean, he he definitely was one of the, the um, taller players once he actually started playing on the football field. Uh, after his first year, I mean, he had put on weight. He was strong. He was, he definitely was one, you know, one of his good buddies is Orlando Brown who plays for Kansas city right now. And he was six, eight, you know, mm-hmm. he's probably the only one that made Mark look small. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, Mark was, you know, towering in that, in that huddle. Yeah. Well, that's what makes him special. Honestly, is that he's that big and he moves well. You know what I mean? And he can run. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. You know, guys that size, I mean, for the most part, end up blocking usually, you know, and being more uh, linemen or, or the, he's just, you know, he moves like he's not that big. So and I think that's soccer and basketball. Yeah. Yeah. From playing. I mean, I think sports. it's made a big difference in, in his foot foot skills and and his speed. Yeah. That's really interesting because they, they try to tell you all the time not to just put your kid in one sport. Mostly no one listens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody gets it into their head that they can turn this kid into a thing. And but I'll tell you right now, like I, I don't think you can. I think you just, you know, you can get better and you can work hard and all that stuff. But you got to start with, got to start with the right pieces. You can't just put it together from 
out of like I could not suddenly become a bodybuilder. You, you know what I mean? Like I could work as hard as I want. It's just it's never going to come together for me. Now that's not necessarily true. Oh, Martha, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> I mean, you take all the right supplements, you get a good trainer, you work really hard. Who's going to make you this might podcast? Be able to. Who's going to make this podcast while I'm busy doing all that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, I'm sorry. So he gets diabetes. Um, nine years old. Who, how's the management work then? Is he doing it himself? Or are you supplementing yep. him or how does it go? Well, I mean, the whole family steps up. We're all involved in the education portion, including his grandparents who, who lived just down the street from us. Um, we all learned what needed to be done, but bottom line, it was Mark that, that did it. And he started from the very first shot, giving it to himself. Um, occasionally he he needed help, um, maybe inserting once he got in a pump. Um, but for the most part he did it. And, and I would say the details, like the numbers, the, the different things we had to remember, that was, that was really my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, just, you know, but we always had someone with him. He, he went from being the fourth child we dropped off at places that to being the fourth child that always had a brother, sister, mother, or father with him. Yeah. No one, did anyone resent that? Do you think, or was everybody kind of on board? Oh no. Yeah. Everybody was on board. Good. That's amazing. So he goes, I mean, is, is diabetes a focal point of his life through, through high school or is it in the background? I'd have to say it's in the background. Um, it was it a focal point of my life with him in high school, probably. Um, but you know, it was, it was something that Mark did and it, it really had nothing to do with um, he tried not to let it affect, you know, schoolwork or, or sporting things or being with friends. He took good care of it for the most part. I mean, he wasn't, it, it's a hard, it's a hard disease to be really perfect at of course, because yeah. um, it throws curveballs on a daily basis, but um, it wasn't, you know, I don't, I would say half the, I would say 90% of the school didn't even know he had diabetes hmm, okay. and it's certainly not something he hid. Right. Yeah, just just something. It just didn't come out a lot. No. Yeah, I get that. Um, <clears throat> how about was there? Well, I guess I should ask you first because it's before CGMs and everything else. Did you sleep much, or were you? You know what? I'm a t- I, I'm a terrible mom. I have to tell you, <laughs> I I don't think I woke up one time in the middle of the night to test his blood sugar unless he was sick. Yeah, but he was okay. So though. yeah, he was always okay, and I kind of I I talked. You know, I do this coffee with um another woman whose son is older and, and we work with JDRF and have um, once a month, we have a coffee and mostly it's, it's moms with newly diagnosed or um, younger children with diabetes. And it's for just the moms and, you know, they're up several times a night. They've got the, the um, numbers on their phone um, and they're constantly doing that. I, I probably should have. And um it, I actually feel really guilty, but I, I guess I just didn't know to do that. I'm going to say that before the technology existed where you could see the blood sugar in real time, it, that's not what they told you, right? Like they probably was what you go to bed a little high, you test in the morning. If you're not low, it went okay. And don't think about it. Now you see the CGM and you realize how it can fluctuate oh, and you're like, it goes so high. It goes so low. I mean, right. you know, 
you just hope that that their bodies can feel something when it's really not good and that you always had sugar there or whatever. Right. And uh, as a tenant, you know, he took care of himself. But that was now there were mornings that would he would wake up and we'd tell I'd ask him his numbers. And I remember one number he was really high and he couldn't even walk. Right. I mean, his legs crumbled underneath him. He threw up. I mean, that was probably a night I should have woken him up in the middle of the night to see what his numbers were. Yeah, but how would you know if that's how it was done then? I, I'll tell you that for those people who you're talking about who are newly diagnosed or you know have the technology and can see it, the key to me, and if you keep listening to the podcast, Martha, you're going to hear it. Like To me, the key is to just really understand how the insulin works, to have a, a rock-solid basal program pre-bolus your meals to stay away from spikes, you know, don't stare at high blood sugars, kind of, you know, correct them, understand the different impacts of different foods, be flexible. Like when you do that, you can start to find stability that actually will, will, you know, pay you back overnight. And that's suddenly you're not up all the time. And on top of that, these algorithms are insane. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Did, Do you, did you get up at night? Oh, before the CGM? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I was, uh, but my daughter was diagnosed when she was two. Yeah, you had to. Yeah. So there was just like, you know, it, it took me in the beginning. I just thought I was great at it. Like it, I was, you know, I had this plan. I would get her to like 190 and she'd wake up at like 90 and I thought I was amazing. And then, <laughs> then one night I just, I found myself wondering like, what is happening while she's asleep? Um, and then CGMs, like Dexcom became available and I got, um, the doctor to do this, you know, back then they would give you one blinded for a week to see if your insurance would pay for it. It used to be like that. You'd have to wear it for a week. Then the report would come back. And if you were having lows then your insurance company would pay for it. So the report comes back. I was putting Arden to bed at 190. She was dropping into the fifties. I'm assuming eventually her liver would kick in and like give off some glucose and then she'd drift back up to 90. Uh And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, 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 wait, like, not only am I not good at this, like, how is like, I'm lucky she's okay, you know, and that, that then made me start paying attention to it. But I was not good at it back then, the way I am now. It took me a while to figure out how to create real stability, and to keep blood sugars at a lower number stable without a risk of like, you know, a quick fall all the time. And how to manage carbier stuff. You know, I'm sure your, your son must eat like a horse, I'm imagining, right? Like, so like, how do you bolus for all that stuff, especially as they're growing, uh, stop a spike without there being a, uh, you know, a low. Like there's there's episodes of this podcast that are all about just management stuff. And um, I, I find that they're not just valuable for me, but for the people listening too. So, so I mean, so your daughter doesn't have a lot of highs and lows. She just, kind of maintains pretty level. Yeah, the way control. I Yeah, the way we think about it is I I don't want her to be under 70. So we would stop that from happening if it was trying to happen, but it does not try to happen very very often. Probably a time or two a month you'll get to that 55 or something just goes wonky and you don't know what happened. But on the other side of it, uh after a meal, I'm okay with like 140ish. 160, I think of as a higher blood sugar, and I think of 180 as a spike. Mm-hmm. And then when you kind of get yourself in that mindset and you've got good solid settings, it, you'd be surprised how infrequently you spike and how infrequently you get low because it's so much about putting the insulin in at the right times. And that's sort of it. It's a took me a long time to figure all that out, and it took me even longer to lay it out here in the podcast so people could hear it. 
Yeah. Um, but it still happens. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't days where, you know, she's ovulating and uh, her, you know, I can't get her blood sugar to move off of 220. And I'm sure yeah. you saw growth hormones when Mark was in high school. You probably just didn't even, you didn't recognize it. Was it was so right. fluctuating so yeah, much. I mean, down, he's still, right? I mean, he eats a meal and goes up to 300 and, um, you know, and then it falls back down to a num- normal number. I just can't, I just can't worry about the highs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I can barely worry about the lows, but, um, well, so you're in an interesting position because you came out of a different generation of this where what you're saying made complete sense for then. And I, I, I totally understand it, but you tell Mark, if he wants to spend like four days after the season's over, I'll teach him how to bolus and he won't have highs like that anymore. Okay. It's super. I'll tell him. Yeah. It would, oh, hell, he could just listen to the podcast if he wanted to. Um, <laughs> good <but>, luck. <laughs> yeah, not a podcast guy. You don't think? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Is it is it um is it hard that he still has diabetes but he's an adult? For you, do you worry about him? Do you want to say things? Do you want to ask questions that you don't because you're like how does that whole relationship work? Um well, I you know, I knew he was going to have diabetes as a, an adult. I mean, I never even thought it was going to be an option, right? Yeah. So, um Diabetes is the one thing I don't ever hesitate um, embarrassing myself or contacting him when I'm not supposed to. Um, it's it's my job, even if, you know, I know he disconnects me sometimes, um, but I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to, you know, I'm always going to step up if I think he needs, you know, to treat more or um, you know, I'll keep calling if he's asleep and his numbers are low and he's not answering, I'll keep calling and I'll keep calling. I'll, I'll call a neighbor. I'll call, you know, I'll do things. He probably is cringing, but, um, you know, I, I have no problem, uh, doing whatever it takes for me to make sure he's healthy and safe, uh, with his diabetes. That's amazing. Also, I think it's hilarious that he just, that he takes you off from seeing his. <laughs> And one time I said, you need to turn me on. I'm like, oh, my God, that didn't sound right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, his brother and I keep keep his numbers. Uh, okay. So he says, you call him. I said, no, you call him. Oh. No, you call him. <laughs> I'm imagining at times he's gotten a text that says, hey, mom's worried about your blood sugar. You got to do something. I'm tired of hearing Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Mom's on my case. Will you please take some sugar? <laughs> It's it's just kind of like, it's interesting to hear. I mean, listen, we haven't said it directly the entire time we're talking, but the reason I wanted to have you on is because the your relationship and your life and his accomplishment is, it's so tied to what people worry about when their young children are diagnosed, right? M, you know, uh, am I or is this disease going to slow my kid down keep them from accomplishing something. And, you know, people love to hear, I think from athletes from with type one, because it's that, it's that thing we all kind of just, you know, universally agree. Like, you know, it's amazing. Like I, listen, I don't know. I'm, I, I love football, but off the top of my head, what are there? 30 teams ish in the NFL, 32, 32. They each carry probably one starting tight end. 
your son is one of the 32 best tight ends in the world. You know what I mean? And I think you could have an argument. He's probably a lot closer than to the top than he is to the bottom. So um, like that he did that with diabetes and in a time when they didn't have glucose sensing technology nearly the way is, is, is it, it is today. Like I know people are going to hear this and feel good. Like that maybe my kid has a real shot or there's things I could be doing that I'm not giving myself credit for being able to do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely of you to come on and talk about it because I think it's that important to everybody. Well, I mean, it is, it's important to Mark and more importantly, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, on his cleats, he said for that, my cause, my cleats, he, he always puts on his cleats, diabetes is a part of me, but I will never let it define me or my dreams. And that's the message he wants to give to people is that, I mean, you know, certain kids have a lot of other complications other than just diabetes. They could be a celiac, they could have other autoimmune things going on. So, you know, it's not just as simple as that. And sometimes it's not a sporting thing they want to do it. It's that they want to go and and be a fireman or they want to um, go to the army. And you think, you know, how, how do you achieve that? When you're dependent on insulin, I mean, can, you know, yeah. are you going to be able to do that? Are you, what if, what if you're having a low and you're, you're out in the middle of nowhere? I mean, there's all sorts of things, but, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means you got to figure out how to make it work yeah. and, and not, and, you know, you may get a lot of no's, um, but then there's going to be someone that might give you that chance. And I think, you know, with Mark, I personally, this is just coming from me. I thought Mark should have been a, a drafted in the on the first day, uh, in a higher draft pick in the first round. Yeah, but I I think it it was um, maybe a little intimidating that he had type one diabetes. Martha, so I'll, let me tell you that I had a boy on about six months ago, Patrick Wicklander, a pitcher, and um, he went a lot lower. He was diagnosed as the draft was coming up. And the conversations that people were having with him prior to diabetes were not the same as they started having after he was diagnosed. He definitely dropped in the draft because of it. I, I firmly believe that that is the case, but it only takes one person to believe in you, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or to take a risk or whatever it is. You just keep trying and trying until you find that solution. Um, you know, the Ravens said it wasn't a factor. So um, I applaud them. Uh, they should have taken him first, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And and I think Mark will probably, he had a, probably a pretty good chip on his shoulder because of it, but um, you know, he just has to go out and do what he, he needs to do. And he needs to take care of himself while he's doing it. I mean, what a diabetic goes through on a daily basis, whether you're working in a, in a business job or you're, you're playing baseball or you're, um, as a fireman or a ballerina or a fashion designer, um, it is so complex for them to get through every single day mm-hmm. when everybody else just, you know, takes it for granted. Yeah. No, it's um, it's important that you don't give up because you will meet somebody along the way, right? And you never know who your effort's going to touch, you know, uh, Sam Fold's been on here a number of times. Sam played for the Oakland A's and a number of different pro teams for, I think he was in the league for like eight years. He's actually the general manager of the Phillies right now. But because he played baseball, he, you know, he played for a guy who managed him, who now knows 
you know, it's not a big deal to have a type one on the team. And then that guy goes off and he's a manager somewhere else. Then the next kid comes along and you got to think that in his head, he thinks, well, you know, Sam did it. Like, you right. know, like maybe that's not, maybe the next time the draft rolls around, I mean, maybe there are 31 other teams that are like, geez, we skipped this kid because he had diabetes and we all should have taken him. Because, right. Because by the third, he was taken in the third round, right? Third round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- uh, so I take your point. I, I, I would agree with you too. And that means they all passed on him multiple times, maybe even. And, right. You know, before somebody took him and, and now they're all, I mean, he is legit. I mean, I, I'm imagining, <laughs> you know, that like your, your kid can really play. So, um, yeah, good. Let them all, uh, let them all uh, feel bad about Eat it. Eat crow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And, and, and other things too, not just diabetes. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know how you look up at him and think this is going to be a problem. I mean, he played at Oklahoma for, you know, for all three years. Like he, he obviously knows how to do it. It's you oh know. yeah, and he was he was a Mackey Award winner. Was he for tight ends? No kidding. He was all American, yeah. unanimous all American. And you wonder, you know, what are you thinking that 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 it was fake? What he did? So I could go on forever about that. I just won't do it. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble here, but was it palpable? 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 Palpable in the house on when it didn't happen on the first day? Were you like? Like, did, did anybody, did your husband and you go into a closet and be like, this is the diabetes or like, do you know what I mean? It was uncomfortable on the second day. Okay. After, you know, okay. So we didn't go first round, there's second round. And then that was when it got a little tougher. Mm-hmm. I imagine too, when you see other people going at your position that you think skills wise, you're like, Ooh, yeah. Well, yeah, what's happening? Do you have yeah. a, be, be honest, is there a list of tight ends no longer in the league that were taken ahead of your son hanging in your house anywhere? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> my, da- my daughter played softball very competitively when she was younger. She had a, she had a list of kids. So my daughter was small, but very, very athletic with an amazing arm. And she was a, just a, a really great third baseman. And she had a small list of all the girls they tried to put in front of her at third base that she knocked off a third base over and over again. <laughs> and that's uh, awesome. Yeah, part of me thought it wasn't healthy, but the other part of me, they really lit a fire for her. So I was like, she's like, yeah. she'd come back from practice, she'd be like, now they're trying to put this one there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> she's like, I'll beat her too. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, whatever they need to do to get through the day. No, nah, no, it's a listen. No one's gonna know. Uh, how hard it is unless they do it. My son puts so much effort and time into sports. It's, you know, it happens in the middle of winter when nobody else would think it's happening. It happens in the dead of summer when he's the only one standing outside in 105 degree heat trying to get better at something. And yeah, uh, it is not, so true. It is not easy at all. Um, no, and, and most and they people, don't come home. They're not ha- home for holidays. They're um, yeah. Oh God. Uh, spring break is baseball tournaments yeah. i oh I, absolutely i haven't been on a vacation at the time most people go on vacation and i can't even i don't even know when the last time was that do you go to his games yeah as much as yeah i make almost all of them that's impressive so, yeah he's within, they have a lot of games yeah but he's within driving distance of us and they that's good like, i don't make the ones during the week i make the weekend games usually um and uh it just it to me like this is a conversation probably every parent of a kid who goes off to college to play something has. He's been playing baseball since he's four and he finally made it. Like, I forget how old he was, eight or nine years old when he said to me, like, I'm going to play baseball in college. I don't even think he knew what college was when he said, that. <laughs> you know, 
And I'm like, all right, man. Like, you know, when they say it, you're like, okay, you know, and, uh, and there's still little kids and there's kids on his team at that time that look like they're better than him. And that happens every year, every year, somebody looks like they're better than you, but they don't work as hard or whatever. And I just said to my buddy, I was like, he's been playing since he's four. He made it to college. I'm like, what am I going to stop going now? Right. I was like, this is it, man. Like, this is the, this is it. Like, he probably doesn't go farther than this. I've got four years left to watch him play baseball. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we make as many as we can. Um, Is there anything about all of this that I didn't think to ask you about? Um, Yeah, I I pretty much have been pretty open. You know, I've been interviewed quite a few times about Mark. And and, um, one of the things that I do know that is so important is the family is critical. The friends are critical. um, Making sure that, you know, you're not a T1D um, and nobody else knows about it. Mm -hmm. That it really does take a village in... um, caring for them. And I know Mark understands that as much as maybe it drives him crazy. Um, he knows that he needs all of us to be on board, um, to support him. And, you know, I, am so thankful that we, we've been lucky enough, um, where he went to college. You know, I, I walked on the, I had a meeting with the doctors and the coaches when we first got there they probably thought it was crazy, but I told him I had to meet with them and said, you know, I don't want my son to die here. So we have to have a game plan and everybody needs to be on board. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they all stepped up. It was very impressive. And it's been pretty similar uh, in Baltimore when I've needed them, they've been there and um, his brothers and sister are always there to take care of things they need to take care of. And they look out for them. They go out when he's here, you know, with his buddies, you know, going out, enjoying themselves. Um, they like to go with him, not because, you know, they're, they're babysitting or anything. They just, you know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, do you ever, so, do you ever wonder or worry about like, if he, I don't know if he's dating, I'm not asking you if he's dating, but like that idea of like, you start meeting a partner who understands type one as well. Do you think? Do you ever think about that? Because a lot of parents come on here and talk about that. Like they're worried that their kids are going to end up with somebody who won't support them or understand things like that. I haven't worried about that. I mean, he doesn't, ha- he's not dating anybody now. He has dated someone, you know, people in the past and they, they have been supportive. I mean, I don't know if, if they've been supportive or I've made them supportive, you know, it's like <laughs> this, you will do this. Uh, it's not a choice. Yeah. Um, I do it with his friends too. I mean, this is, this is who he is. This is how we take care of it. And um, if you're going to be a part of his life, you have to be on board. Do you think that people would like, do you think that his size makes people think of him as older than he is? Has that always happened through his life? Yes. Yeah. Always, always. And he's a pretty mature kid. I mean, I think diabetes makes you very mature at an early age. Mm, Yeah. No, Uh, for sure. And I think, and he, you know, being the youngest of four, being as tall as he is, I mean, he um, he comes across much older than than he is. Yeah, it was just because I'm just thinking like you know as he's walking out the door and you're grabbing one of his friends and you're like, listen, do you know how the glucagon works? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and but isn't but, that the truth? Yeah. No, call me. You know, they his college roommate called when he couldn't get him to wake up. His his high school buddies bring him home immediately mm-hmm. when he's not acting right. 
um, if, you know, either they test, they try and get sugar in them. If they still can't take care of it, they brought them home. Yeah. You know, I see something's you wrong mean. with Mark. Yeah. You, you need a group of people around you. It makes it much, much easier. Yeah. hundred well, percent. Listen, I didn't know if he was dating, but I got to be honest, if I was his age and in the shape he was in and just signed the contract he did, I wouldn't be dating anybody <laughs> either. Just so. First of all, he doesn't have time <laughs> and he like, likes to meet as many people as possible. I'm saying that's the route I would go to. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think he's handled it just perfectly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, I, I just, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. It really was, uh, it's lovely speaking with you. Maybe uh, we need to do this again, actually. I was just thinking, you, you said you have a coffee thing. Is that a, a, um, like an in-person thing you, you do locally? We were doing it in person and and um, it was great. We Once a month, we'd have coffee over um, the other hosts or my house and uh, JDRF would, you know, they're sponsoring it and, and um People would come and we, I mean, we all cried. Sometimes we'd have grandparents there. Sometimes it'd be the dad. Sometimes it'd be the mom. Mm. Um, and we just, you know, we'd have different topics. We have different guest speakers. We went to Zoom. Um, I think their numbers increase because it's a little bit easier to be, you know, someone that works can can listen in. Sure. And it's, it's just been a, um, for me, you know, I need to, I need to, don't know represent um someone who was scared to death to send their child to college and i I, you know i survived it i was scared to death to let him drive he's driving you know all the things that i was scared to death to do but he did and we survived it and um he's excelling so you know i feel like it's my duty to help these these moms who are just in the weeds when that first diagnosis comes through and, um, you know, whatever we can do to support that and, and let them know that we, we understand what they're going through. And, um, it doesn't, it, it, it never goes away, but it's just not so intense once you understand it a little bit better. Yeah. I usually um, tell people that diabetes doesn't get easier, but at some point you'll get so good at it that it might feel easy once in a while. And, right. you know, and just the idea that it, it alleviates a little bit once you get your footing and you really know what you're doing. Um, and you've had some experiences that have led to more knowledge and all of a sudden you start putting it together and before you know it, you're like, oh, we're not bad at this. Right. Yeah. And you know, people need to know, what do you take for sugar? What do you take for, what do you, how do you travel? How do you do this? How do you do that? I mean, there's so many questions you can't just sit and call your doctor all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I think it's great when, when uh, moms can talk or they got a, one of those, um, diabetes docs, you know, what does that look like? And it's not what you think, you know, it's hard work. Yeah. And, it's um, not just the dog just doesn't sit in the corner like a superhero and pipe no. up every time it needs something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It is. It, and that's what you kind of think. It's just going to solve all your problems, but it doesn't, you know? Yeah, and, right. and so learning about that is so helpful. And if we can, if we can alleviate some of the, the questions and concerns or, or give them tools to help it make it easier than I'm all for that. Excellent. Me too. And you are going to reach a lot of people doing this. So uh, you've done that today as well. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's always my pleasure. And you, you make us, you make me feel very comfortable talking to you. So I appreciate that. Oh, I, I, it's my goal for you to feel comfortable. Plus, how are you, <laughs> how are you going to say that you think your kid should have gone higher if you're nervous? I need you to be nice. And, Cause I, the whole time, oh, am I going to get in trouble for that? Well, I don't know if you're going to, but the whole time I was sitting here, I was thinking like, like, like Martha, I'll just bleep this out later. But like through the entire thing, I'm like, how the f- 
did that kid go in the third round? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And and then you said it, and I thought, well, how did I not think of that? Because I just interviewed a kid who said the same thing happened to him. And yeah. it just, it's just, I don't know. I think it's because your son's built like a, like a giant that I don't think of anything <laughs> being serious. Like, I don't think of anything being able to touch him. But, like, look how easily this happened, you know? And, yeah. I mean, listen, it's... You know, I feel like it probably all worked out really well for him in the end. But, you know, it it's also a tough game. Like, he could have, yeah. you know what I mean? He could have snapped his head off nine games into it and never, never made any money. And, you know, it, it, you could be sitting here. It'd be a different story. So well, I will tell you, when he was chosen for the Pro Bowl, which, you know, was a huge, 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 huge accomplishment. Yeah. It was the first time he felt validated in this professional career. Um, and I think he'd, he'd always kind of felt like that um, being picked so many people, so many tight ends being chosen before him. Mm-hmm. And then he wins the starting spot at the Ravens and he wasn't the, t- the first tight end and he wins, you know, and then he gets in the pro bowl and, um, for him, it was some validation, and he was actually, it's the first time he was able to talk about it with us, about his feelings um, through that process. Okay. Uh, so I thought that was, you know, that was, a, that was a really special moment for all of us. I would imagine it feels so, I mean, not that it could feel much better, but, you know, it, he definitely knows nobody handed it to him, right? And, and that's got to feel really great. You know, just because you come out of a pedigree college, especially, I mean, if I'm, listen, I'm not an aficionado, but Oklahoma makes tight ends, right? Well, I have no idea. I don't know football. (laughs) But they make, they make winning football. They they, win football games. And that's for sure. Um, And uh, that's why he went there, you know, and he could have gone a lot, he could have gone anywhere he wanted, but, um, you know. He went there purposely and you, yeah. And I just, listen, I, listen, I, I have a different perspective than maybe some people would because I have a, a child who plays a sport and I know what goes into it. Um, and it, and I also imagine that it could sound silly to somebody else, right? Like, oh, you weren't drafted in the first round. You drafted, like, who cares? Boo-hoo. Like Big like, Whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't you, – you might not know. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that – you know, while the rest of you are sitting around – you know, and you're watching television or doing whatever you're doing. Like I can hear my son in the basement when he's home from school, lifting weights and putting them back down and lifting right. them up and putting them down. And and he's the one who goes out and stands on a baseball field and throws a ball over and over and over again. So that the one time in a game that it happens and it happens at full speed, he makes that throw the way he means to. And, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll you know, for every amazing thing I've ever seen my son do in a baseball game, I saw him do it a thousand times on a practice field. Exactly. You know? So well put. Yeah. So just, well put. It really isn't as simple as, you know, you could say it's just a game if you want, but you put your whole life into anything. It's not just the anything, you know, it's, it's, it's what you've been putting your focus into. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's so worth it. I'll never forget the first time I saw a kid put a ball into a gap, you know, in the right center field and it lodges under the fence and the kid on first thought he was going to make it to third. And my son stands up like Superman and puts that ball in the third baseman's glove. (laughs) And it is hard not to stand up and go, yo, did you all just see what my kid did? That was my son. (laughs) (laughs) And 
And I imagine you know how that feels. It's very hard to hold that inside. You just stand up and you very politely clap at a baseball. Go, oh, good job. Nice throw. And inside you're thinking, my son's so much better than yours. And, <laughs> and there you go. There's, I'm now Scott. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. And I'm not trying to get you to say that. I just, I, and I really, it is just, it's a, it's a, it's an overwhelming wash of pride because you know how much effort he put into it. And yeah. not that the others don't put that kind of effort into it, but when it pans out, it's, it's just kind of special, you know, and you deserve, yeah. you deserve what you deserve after that. So, all right. Well, Martha, I'm glad you had a good time. I, I did. Um, I will uh, say goodbye to you now. Um, Thank you yeah, so much. Of course. Hold on one second for me. I am not afraid to set the bar high by coming out of the gate strong in 2022 with Mark Andrews' mom. How about that, right? An NFL football player's mommy was on the show. How cool is that? I want to thank Dexcom for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast and remind you to go to Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox to get started today with the best darn CGM that I've ever seen held, touched, or looked at through the internet. And don't forget about that Omnipod promise omnipod.com forward slash juice box. If you've been wanting to switch to a pump or get rid of your tubing, there's no better time than right now to make that decision and get started. If you're enjoying the juice box podcast, please subscribe in a podcast app. Like if you have an Apple phone, there's a podcast player right there. It's called podcasts. Super simple. You search for juice box podcast, type one diabetes, and then I think they want you to follow. They used to use the word subscribe. Some apps use subscribe. Some use follow. So either subscribe or follow. Now, if you've got like an Android phone, you can listen in Spotify, or there's a ton of different apps, all made for podcasts and all free. You shouldn't have to pay for a podcast app. Please keep that in mind. So there should be an app on your phone or one readily available for you to subscribe and follow in. Google Play, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. If you have trouble, head over to the Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Become a member. There's 19,000 other people in there, just like you, talking about Type 1 in the podcast right now. You can head in there and be like, hey, I don't know how to find a podcast app. You can do that. It's super simple. And if you're already listening in an app, but you're not subscribed, and you're like, oh, Scott, you're bugging me. Subscribe. Everybody wants you to subscribe. I don't want to subscribe. It really helps the show. I know that sounds crazy, but it improves the ranking of the show. When the ranking of the show is improved, it attracts advertisers. It keeps advertisers. When you guys listen to the show regularly, it brings up my numbers. When the numbers are up, the show is attractive to other people. That helps the show come up in searches and be available for new type ones and other people with diabetes who are looking for help and don't know where to begin. If you're wondering where to begin, Everything you need to know about the show is at Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. There's a, a whole section of announcements that just tell you, you know, how to listen to management episodes, episodes on certain topics. There's going to be more of that this year. We're going to make um, doing some groupings of shows into certain topics so you guys can find them more easily. But in the end, subscribe in an app. New shows are coming constantly. Listen, share, be bold.